Hello, and welcome to Stephen Rowland's Beer Podcast, episode 312. Three. So, uh, I am not Steve Layton. No, I am not Roland Glue. Uh, but we're going to drink the beer anyway, so, um, <laughs> so screw you guys. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Beer first, beer first. Um, so, yes, uh, Steve is currently in uh, Scandinavia, uh, which is interesting because this week's beer is from Scandinavia. And Roland is being professional and working, uh, I think. Uh, so we're drinking the beer in his absence. Yes. Uh, uh, so this week's beer is from McKellar. And for those of you out there who uh, are familiar, like McKellar need no real introduction. For those of you that aren't, um, McKellar are, I think they describe themselves as a, as a gypsy brewery. Um <laughs> They, for the longest time they were brewers without a brewery right so uh, they roam around and use other people's brewery pretty much yeah they started off as home brewers um, had a beer that garnered quite a bit of uh, praise and to put it into production uh, you know started renting and using other people's equipment to uh, to keep up with demand for it so yes but this uh, this week's one is wood will fall down Wood will fall down. Yes, yes. Uh, with um, a subheading in the original language. Yes, I'm not going to attempt it. Yeah, uh, Danish, I believe. Uh, Defalda de Brundid. I don't know. I probably butchered that. Um, yeah, that's why I didn't try. But uh, the, the the Danes will be fine. They they're fairly forgiving people. Um, but yes, uh, passion fruit Berliner Weiss, I believe, is uh, the uh, the style. So yeah. different. Yeah. Uh, Instantly, very fruity. Yeah, almost a little vinegary. I first the first sip, mm. I thought, is this a cider? <laughs> it's it on does, the way. It does have that tang to it, doesn't it? Mm. Certainly, and that could be possibly down to the yeast that they've used when they've brewed it. Um, I don't know specifics about the yeast that they've used, but normally when you get those kind of flavors, you would associate with other. Uh, brewing styles or other, um, uh, you know, different uh, different things altogether, such as wine or cider, is usually down to the yeast. That's what's that's what's giving you that. Mm. Uh, in my uh, well, in my experience, anyway, I could be completely wrong, and everything I've just said is <coughs> complete and utter rubbish. You'll find so, out in the comments. Uh, well, comment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that'll be Steve. Yeah. <laughs> you are wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, it's certainly leaning leaning on the side of a side of this one. I would agree. It's got um, almost a bit of a like a, a white wine yeah. edge to it as well. Yeah, yeah, it's really... almost there in colour as well. Mm. If it didn't have any kind of head on it, you'd be forgiven because the bubbles are rising like wine as well. Mm. Yeah, you could certainly. I, I bet you could probably trick a couple of um, oh, what's the name of the sommeliers and <laughs> and given research that's been done in recent years with uh, sommeliers and uh, wine tasting in general, you pro- <laughs> you know the fact that they've basically gone, yeah, it's all rubbish, really. Um, like <laughs> we all knew that by watching. Them. Um, there was that. There was a famous one, wasn't it, that started this all off when people started questioning. Uh, whether you know wine tasting was you know a a thing or whether people were just you know blagging it and uh it actually it didn't it wasn't intended to be 
the way it ended up, but uh, an American who owned a wine shop in Paris invited a load of French wine connoisseurs to a tasting there. And basically he had... Um, he, wanted, he was basically trying to draw up interest and, uh, you know, increase his sales. Like There was a journalist there that was going to do a piece for him in a local paper. And they laid on a series of wines to taste. Uh, but he also threw a couple of American wines in there. And this was at a time when American wine had a reputation for being terrible. Or at least everyone thought so. Um, but he was just like, oh, well, I'll throw a couple of American wines in there as well. And his intention was for it to just highlight how much better French wine was. <laughs> yeah. The problem was, all uh, in a blind tasting, all the experts that he invited to taste the, uh, the wine all preferred the Californian wines that he'd put on there to the French, which Snobs. you can imagine how that made the French wine uh, tasters <laughs> at the event feel. They got very um, defensive. Mm. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, patriotically defensive too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, that's a that's a whole other thing. Um, yeah, like um, Maynard James Keenan at all. In between waiting for the rest of the band to finish off the new album, went and started a vineyard in California. Um, As you do. The <laughs> <laughs> uh, writing process is very long, so. Seems to be a popular pastime for musicians to start farming. Uh, well, wine specifically. Yeah. Uh, so I, hmm. I can't remember. It might be one of one of Blink One Eight Two. Went to be a farmer. The other one's a. It's Mark Hoppus, isn't it? And the other one's a alien conspiracy lunatic. Oh, you're on about the guy, you're on about Tom DeLonge, aren't you? The guy that's no longer yeah. the, the guy that well, he got kicked out because <laughs> uh, he got he got a little bit too evangelical for them. He's a born again Christian, I believe. Oh, uh, so yes, I went to I went to see uh, this is about ten years ago. I went to see the Foo Fighters at Old Trafford, and his new band Angels and Airways was supporting the Foo Fighters along with the Strokes as well, who were very good. Um, but they came on, and this is a you know a group of people who have, are in they're in Manchester, so it's a bunch of Northerners who have had a few drinks. They're there to see the Foo Fighters, and he comes on and plays this his set with his new band, and they were particularly ropey. But then he starts preaching about the glory of Jesus Christ to this crowd. You can imagine how that goes down. Many many an item was flung in his direction. Yeah. Uh, it's just like look, I've no problem with uh, you know with people having faith. You believe what you want to believe. Don't don't start preaching to uh, to a bunch of uh, people at a rock no, you'll concert. You end up with uh, Boddington's via someone's kidney. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. That, that. There were some glasses full of liquid thrown in his direction. I'm, yeah, whether it, it been beer, no. Uh, but anyway, bit of a segue there. Yes. Um, so McKellar in recent years have grown to be uh, a little bit more seen, shall we say? They've um, uh, you, you, their beers used to be really hard to get hold of, but now they're you can pick up McKellar and Marks and Spencers, uh, you know. So and I'm pretty sure this is one of those that you can pick up in Marks and Spencers, and that's not a bad thing because no. generally their beers are are varied and also very very tasty. Um, 
I've Marx never had a... Marx is not somewhere I think to go to buy beers. Marx has actually got a pretty decent good uh, beer selection nowadays. <sighs> they've, they've had to up the game as of most of you... Your, your big retailers because they realise there's a demand for it so, mm. um, and some people like that some people don't I know there's been some controversy recently because I believe Magic Rock has started selling into one of the larger Ooh. supermarkets I think it's Tesco uh, and people well, are it's just great for the reason it's good for beer drinkers all round because like where my folks used to live uh, the local Asda there they'd only really cater for the region and that region <laughs> was all it was all Carlsberg. It was all just crap football lager. You know? yeah. And for a while, they were stocking things like um, Jeremiah Weed, which was interesting at the time. Like fruit, fruit boozes. And, but yeah, because of the regional tastes, you can't really get craft beers there. So, stuff like that hitting the supermarket, it's only, it's only good for craft beers. It mm. just means that the people that are really into it oh, get very defensive over a pastime they see as fairly exclusive mm, I think, that's all it really is I think one of the big problems people were having with uh, this as well was the fact that obviously they'll be selling to the supermarket and they'll the supermarkets as we know with these things tend to dictate the price ah. so they'll be getting it at a much better price and can sell it cheaper and therefore undercut some of the independent shops that have sprung up so a lot of people were making a, a perfectly valid point of what well, there's no point in me stocking your beers anymore because I, I can't compete with uh, the supermarkets that said there are ways there you of course you can still stock some of their beers you just stock you know the more unusual small batch ones that they do because you're not going to get those in uh, in your local supermarket mm. um, but at the same time I always I, I do think this, there needs to be a bit of a, a reversal on the side of things it's just like it should be the brewers that set the terms and go yeah of course you can have our beer but you buy it off of us at this price it's the same price that everyone of our independent stockists also purchase the beer I, I think that has to be something that people start doing because um, for the longest time supermarkets have had so much power when it comes to buying you see ridiculous situations occurring like with like the, the British milk industry for example like where supermarkets are paying less than it costs to produce the product to people it's just like that is not sustainable um, but more often than not big business, more often than not the farmers are left with no choice it's just like well if we don't sell it to them it goes to waste so or the misshapen vegetables that are left in the fields because the supermarket won't have them yeah that, that kind of stuff that's, yeah. that's just balmy you know when we we're, we're <laughs> living in a time where people are struggling to put food on the table it's just well we're living in a time where it costs more to give food away than to, than, than, than to bid it yeah no I mean, I'm, a, I'm quite a big fan of the... Uh, have you heard of the Freegan movement? Uh, basically, a group of people who started dumpster diving in supermarkets, though. So they go to their food waste bins and they just raid them. And they put perfectly good edible produce in there. And what they do is they would um, reuse it, make like massive batches of soups and all sorts of uh, things like bread and butter puddings and stuff like that, of all the bread that was getting thrown away, and then take that to... Uh, to homeless shelters and to charities and redistribute it so people were getting fed because it's it's yeah it's mad the amount of stuff that does get wasted but 
Anyway, another segue. Um, <laughs> yeah, it tends to happen with but, justers. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, steer this into a completely different. Kind of it's the whole. Well, it's the ethics of you know big you know big beer. Uh, sorry, small beer ending up in big supermarkets. Mm. You know, I know it doesn't sit easy with a lot of people, um, and I can understand why because um, they don't have a very good reputation for a number of things, including what we were just discussing. So, um, but yes, McKellar are thankfully a lot easier to come by nowadays I find um, which is great because I really enjoy their beers um, they're also uh, well known for um, another thing which is of course the uh, the Copenhagen Beer Celebration I believe is what it's been uh, renamed as uh, now which is basically a one, quite possibly one of the greatest beer festivals in the world uh, a couple of our colleagues uh, Chris and uh, Katie have been there I think three years in a row now uh, fantastic you, just, you turn up you pay a set price and then go then go um, you just get given a little, uh, little glass you know, so you can you're not having like thirds of everything you're just having a small measure I think it's like 100 mil mm. and you just go around fill it up try lots of different things um, and the the I'm always envious every time I see uh the beer list get published for that because of course uh, our colleagues will be discussing it and uh, not gloating because they're not the gloating type but you know getting excited about oh okay, I'm going to try that 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 and I just look at it and go damn you damn you both because uh, <laughs> I would love to attend that um, I should it off next year uh, yeah this is the problem it's not it's one of those things it's a first come first serve kind of basis so uh, yeah, uh, still too many roasters by yeah, this is true. Maybe one day, because Copenhagen, incidentally, is one of my favourite cities, uh, full stop. So, um, you know, it's just another reason to uh, to visit the place again. So, what do we think of the beer overall? Well, this, is this your first experience of McKellar? It is. What do you think of I the... Think maybe. What do you think of the branding? Because obviously the you're, mental. you're the man with the, <laughs> the, the keen eye when it comes to this. The branding's kind of thing. mental. I thought Katie had drawn it, to be honest. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, this must be a Danish thing for the hat. I'm not sure what it's getting at. There are a lot of broken pencils. One of the broken pencils says passion fruit, but that's one of the flavour notes. And I was wondering if it was telling me there's passion fruit in it or they don't like passion fruit. And a book with Berliner and Hen- Henry and Sally crossed out. I don't know who they are. <laughs> I don't know what it's getting at. It just seems mad. Seems like a lot of in jokes. <laughs> yeah, uh... Maybe. Why is it called Wood Will Fall Down? I like the title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But as beers go, uh, probably a bit too tart for my taste. Mm. I said edging on the side of ciders, and I'm not terribly keen on ciders. I mean, what's there's good. It's just not my flavour. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I'm still drinking it. Yeah, I it's mean, not it's offensive. It's it's uh, it's not bad. Do you want like to when you accidentally order a cider and go, well, I've ordered it, so I'll drink it now. But um... <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I've ever accidentally ordered a cider. I've, oh, it used to happen to me quite commonly in Joxers because one of the labels looked like Tim Taylor. But it wasn't. It was some kind of cider, right? <laughs> and I'd always get fooled. Go, go to order it, and it'd come and like, 
It's that bloody cider again, isn't it? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's clever clever on the, the part of that company. It's just like, let's make our branding look like Timothy Taylor's so people will order yeah. our, our cider by, by accident. <laughs> but it was it was in the cask row, like, disguised. Mm. It's like um, like that old Sesame Street thing, you know, uh, three of these things belong together, but one of them is kind of different. <laughs> <laughs> like a surprise. I'm not sure what to give it. I need to think. Okay, well, I, I'm enjoying it. It's very, uh, very different for what you consider for a Berliner. Um, you know, it's not uh, not the norm at all. But it's kind of what I expect from McKellen. They don't do the norm. Uh, they are well known for uh, doing a, a wide variety of wacky brews and one-offs, and uh, uh, yeah. Super, super tart, super crisp, super refreshing. Clean, clean. clean. Yes, uh, I I enjoy it. I've had this. I have had this beer before, uh, and I'm happy to have it again. I'm gonna give this an. Uh, I'm gonna give it a nine. Oh my word! Uh, I was I was wondering how I should I go for an eight and a half. I'm pretty sure I went eight and a half last week. I was just like, ah, screw it, go big, go big. Not sure where to go. Not <laughs> sure where to go. Because it's not awful. Not ringing my bell. We'll go above middle of the road, but I won't go much further. I'll say six, but that's not a bad thing per se. But above the average of five, because mm. it's probably really good for what it is. It's just too tart for my palate. That's fine. I mean, you're you're allowed to score these things on your <laughs> own personal preference. It's not a yeah yeah. It's not a junk score, you know. I think, every, I think every one of us have a, has our own different scale. I was having, I've had this conversation before with Roland. It was just like, I've never scored a beer a 10 on here. Because for me, 10 means perfection. Yeah. And I, I've I'm on a similar similar plane to you. Yeah. I'd give it a 10 if it was like exceptional. Something yeah. rare. If, if, I, if, I, if I drank it and I you know, suddenly had an epiphany and you know, every, every, you know, there were things singing around me and all. Yeah. Maybe, maybe then a ten. You know, if I had some life-changing experience, but I, I, otherwise, it's just like ten means per- perfect to me, and nothing's perfect. So, mm. uh, that's my rationale on that one. But, yeah, on a similar page, but uh, sometimes you got to give it because if if you've got a score that you can't ever give, yeah, you're on a nine pointer. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's the point Roland made as well. It's just like, well, we may as well just score them out of nine then. It's yeah. just like, but yeah. then I'd never score it at nine, <laughs> so it's. Like, you know, you just go around in circles. Yeah. Anyway, I'd, I'd say ten is um, just exceptional, truly, truly exceptional to get a ten. And on that note, I think we should probably shut up because we've been rabbiting on for a fair old while. Yeah. Uh, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>